We've all heard the statistics cited about 80% of businesses failing within the first five years. And those that make it five years, 80% will fail in the next five years. So how do we keep our businesses from being one of those statistics? What are the most common causes and how do we avoid those? Running a service business can be hard. It is not unusual for business owners in industries like contracting, home repair, auto repair, business-to-business services like janitorial, IT and accounting, and many others to feel overwhelmed by all the priorities facing them at any given time. Between addressing the needs of the customers, managing the employees, figuring out the financials, and getting processes in place, feeling like you're making significant progress on your business journey can be difficult. Welcome to Service Industry Success, hosted by Brian Harding. Each week, Brian will look at real-world strategies for building the business you are dreaming of, while also sharing tactics to get through some of the most frustrating parts of business ownership with a lot more ease. Let's get started. There are seven primary reasons a business will fail. I call them the seven deadly defects. Today, in part six of our series, we will look at perhaps the the simplest to grasp theoretically, and yet the most difficult to practically apply, which is ineffective sales and or marketing. So I'll tell you a story about a couple years ago, my wife and I went to buy a hot tub and we went to the the local fair and we spent about six hours researching hot tubs and going from uh, booth to booth. There was probably a dozen or so places at this particular fair. It's a very large fair that sold hot tubs. Um, We spoke to several companies, um, like I said, probably at least 10, uh, that, that, um, before we bought our hot tub and in one particular conversation, uh, the salesperson spent a tremendous amount of time talking about this lifetime warranty on their particular hot tub, uh, which in fairness was a fantastic warranty. It really was a, a, a really good warranty. Um, I would estimate that well over 75% of the conversation, uh, or the sales pitch, if you will, was centered around this, this truly impressive warranty that they had. Um, but because I did not intend to retire in the house we lived in, and in fact, we've already sold that house, uh, the warranty was not a selling point to me. So the salesperson in that case lost the sale because he was focused on what he thought the value of the product should be rather than asking what my wife and I valued when it came to purchasing a hot tub. Uh, he put his belief of what was most important above ours And he focused his whole conversation on that. And therefore, we bought from somebody else. Um, This is the primary problem in sales and marketing. And I get it. It's it's not easy to overcome our natural instincts in this. We all speak about things that we think are important. We all, when we talk about something, we talk about what we think matters. We emphasize our point of view and what what compels us to think that something is valuable. Um. We have to constantly remind ourselves that people act and behave based upon what drives them, not from an external influence. We cannot talk people into valuing something that they just don't value. It doesn't work that way. No matter how much time that salesman tried to convince me that I should buy a hot tub he was selling because of the warranty, I was going to make decisions based upon what I valued and what I thought mattered when it came to buying my hot tub. And we can't change this as much as we try. And we'll see this in in case after case after case of of people selling things or marketing things where they speak only about what they value as the seller. And the problem is the buyer doesn't make decisions based upon what the seller values. 
the buyer makes decisions based upon what the buyer values, period. There's nothing we can do to change this. What we can do is continue to train ourselves to remember this, that people do what they do because, because of an internal driver or motivator or feeling, and that's just the way it is. And we have to adapt our language and our approach to meet their needs. Um, the problem is because we're all human, we all default to what we think matters is what we talk about. And it's really hard to train ourselves to stop talking about what we think matters as a seller and train ourselves to speak about what the the buyer should, you know, or what the buyer is valuing about this whole um, buying process. Um, but we're not the decision maker, so we don't have a choice. Um, we have to just remember the buyer is not necessarily going to care about what we think is important, unless it happens to be what they think is important also. So to be an effect, in, effective in sales and marketing, we need to understand what the customer's primary concerns are. Um, my version of this is you guys have heard me uh, say this a thousand times by now, probably um, what's in it for the customer to buy from me instead of brand X. This is not a theoretical or rhetorical question. This is a legitimate conversation. I need to know why our customers should buy from us instead of brand X. If I don't know that I can't possibly speak to that. I can't possibly um, speak in a way that would resonate with the buyer. If I can't even identify what separates my company from brand X. Um, and the only way I can do that is to first identify what the customer's primary need, concern, fear, hope, or wish is. If I don't know what the primary driver of this decision is, whether it be a positive thing like a hope or a wish or a negative thing like a fear or concern, I can't possibly speak to that in marketing or in a sales conversation. In other words, if I can't speak to the problem and offer a solution which resonates with them, they will believe that price and convenience are the most important factors. And we um, we see companies and salespeople and business owners complain about this a lot, where a customer will will tell them that you know price matters more than the, the seller wants to hear. And they'll talk about how people are cheap or they don't understand the product or they you know they're making a bad decision because of whatever. Um, when we hear that, uh, we need to just recognize that we're not speaking in a way that's resonating with the buyer. Um when that happens, they're going to buy from um, maybe whoever's closest, uh, maybe whoever gets there first, maybe a person they already know, or somebody or a company who they perceive has the easiest buying process. Um, I'm not saying all those things are a good reason to make buying decisions. I'm just saying if we don't give them a compelling reason to make a buying decision because we're speaking in a way that resonates with them, it's generally going to come down to price and convenience. So when I say we need to clear, identify their concerns, problems, or criteria, I'm speaking about the problem they have besides the obvious one. Sometimes people call these external problems and internal problems. So for instance, if I'm selling cars at a used car dealership, uh, the external problem the buyer has or the customer has is they need a car. But there's a ton of potential internal reasons that, they, that are fears or drivers or um, motivators to make a decision. The internal ones are the one I need to, to identify. Um, the fact that they need to buy a car just means they're going to buy a car from somebody. Um, if I can speak to their internal motivator, driver, or concern, or fear, or whatever, then they're more likely to buy a car from me. And that's a pretty big distinction we got to make. If we're just focused on they got to buy a car, they're going to buy a car from anybody. There's no, you know, we have to figure out a compelling reason they should buy from us, which is only going to happen if we speak to their internal 
driver, motivator, or feeling. So in the case of uh, buying a car, it could be their their primary uh, need that they're trying to meet or fear they're trying to avoid is they're just intimidated by the car buying process. Maybe they've never done this before. Maybe it's their only second or third time they didn't have a good experience the first, first, first one or two. Uh, that could be a primary driver in, in their decision-making is that they're just intimidated by the car buying process. Uh, could be they have limitations because of credit. Uh, could be they want a safe car for their child. Maybe they have a newborn or, or a young child at home, but they don't want really to know how to determine what a safe car is. Every car company says they make a safe car. So their problem could be that they don't know how to decide what a safe car is because everybody's telling them their car is, is the best one. It could be it's Friday and they don't have a way to get to work on Monday and they need a car right, right now. Uh, it could be that they only like blue cars. We, you know, who knows? Um, the point is we need to know, identify what the driver is, what's, what's driving their purchasing decision internally and speak to that. So in sales, this is pretty easy. We can always just ask the question, what are your top concerns about this purchase? Or what criteria are you making your, your uh, buying decision on? Um, now, if you're in an industry where people commonly are going to cite price as a, as a significant factor, we can ask questions like, okay, besides price, what are your top concerns or what are your top criteria for making a decision? Now, sometimes price really is a factor. Um, if I need that car and I only have $5,000 and I can't get financing, then I have a $5,000 limitation on my buying ability. Um, so sometimes price is a legitimate um, issue when it comes to buying, but just as often, if not more often, price is used as a, as a nice buffer um, or it's an indication that the customer themselves does not know yet what the purchasing criteria should be. Um, so how do we know if price is really the issue or not? Again, I just ask, you know, besides, I would ask a question like besides price, if they mention that, what are your top uh, concerns or criteria? And if their answer is just price, well, then maybe that really is the factor. Um, in any case, if we're not willing to identify um, the problem, we're much less likely to stumble upon the solution. If we can't figure out or get them to articulate what the real concern or hope is that's driving their decision, um, we're, just, we're just playing a, a game of luck. Like hopefully we stumble upon what it is. We're much more likely to be successful if we can speak to a problem we know they have in sales. You know, we want to ask them to, to articulate that problem or hope or dream or wish or, you know, whatever. Uh, and sometimes the, uh, the biggest problem is they don't fully understand our service. You know, in many cases, they don't, they think they know sometimes. Sometimes they're very transparent that they don't know. Um, in either case, confusion is is a, a challenge you know we have to overcome that we so this is where we go from um we easily can go from uh, speaking in a way to clarify things for a customer to speaking about things and trying to um show that our expertise and show that we're the expert in this industry and that can lead us down a path of talking about things again that are self-serving there's a balance we have to strike there between offering clarity to them and not turning the conversation into a self-serving, you should buy based upon what I think because I'm the expert and you shouldn't listen to your own intuition, uh, Mr. or Mrs. Buyer. And those conversations, generally, in my opinion, are not productive. Um, there's a line we can't cross there. We want to educate them but still speak to their needs rather than educate them to not speak to their needs. That's not going to happen. We're not going to be successful with that. 
So in all those cases, of course, we got to build trust and rapport if we want them to be honest with us, if we want them to tell us, like, really, here's my real concern. Um, I have a newborn child at home and I want to have a safe card. I don't want a safe card is supposed to be. I don't know what criteria to make a decision based on, you know, looking for a safe car. To get somebody to say that, we would have to build some kind of level of trust and rapport. So, of course, those things are important. Um, and once we know what their primary concern, problem, or criteria are, we can offer whichever solution we have that best addresses their needs uh, while explaining in a, in a manner that matters to them how the solution we're offering meets their needs. So in sales, it's just a matter of asking questions, figuring out what their driver is, what, what's motivating their or what's driving their buying decision, uh, whether it's, again, positive or negative, and then speaking to that. In marketing, it's a little more difficult because we can't ask questions, obviously. We're not there. So for this reason, it's very important we decide up front before we begin the process of writing ads or, or posts or whatever that we identify who we are talking to so we can identify what their needs are before we even begin. So this is a, this is a hard part, um, only at first, though. Uh, once you get in the habit of doing this, it gets pretty easy. Um, the first few times, though, this is this is difficult to to train our brains to stop thinking and speaking in a manner that that serves our needs and speak in a manner that serves the buyer's internal drivers or motivators or feelings that they're they're either trying to replicate or produce or avoid. Um, we just have to, rec again, recognize and accept that people make decisions, including buying decisions, based upon what motivates them to act. So we have to speak to their needs in our marketing. The only way we can do that is to identify who we're talking to so we can know what their needs are. Uh, now, we can't hope to have uh, a chance to stand out above the noise in our industry if we're just saying the same things everybody else is saying, which is, you know, we have the best warranty or we have the best products or customer satisfaction is 97% or four out of five people recommend our product, whatever it is. Um, we're saying this, if we're saying the same things as everybody else, we're trying to convince the customer to buy our product or service based upon what we think they should pay attention to. Um, we're going to have limiting success with that or limited success with that. Uh, if we want to speak in a way that, that uh, is going to resonate with them, we got to speak in a way that's going to uh, talk to their problems and what they want. Uh, you know, there's a saying in marketing, if you're not talking to somebody, you aren't talking to anybody. So our intuition is to speak as broadly as possible about the things we think should matter to the buyer. The problem is, the more generally we speak, the less appealing it is and the less it resonates with individuals. Um, so if we're going to talk in very broad terms, uh, yeah, we're going to reach a wide audience and, and a lot of things might be applicable there, but it's not going to resonate. It's not going to be compelling. It's not going to drive somebody to make a decision. They're honestly just going to tune it out. So what are we supposed to do? Um, in marketing, the first step, again, is to determine who specifically we're talking to. Who is this person? Uh, who is this buyer? Um, it's counterintuitive in marketing, but we want to speak specifically to a smaller group uh, who will know when they hear our ad or they read our post or they read whatever we put out there that we are talking to them. They will pay attention if they feel and know that we are talking to them specifically. They're way less inclined to, to pay attention if it's a broadly applicable um, uh, language or if it's language that's, that's uh, speaking to what the seller believes should matter. 
Um, so rather than speaking generically to a large group we um, who will think we're talking to somebody else, we want to speak to a small group and identify what their current concerns, hopes, fears, and wishes are. Um, if you aren't speaking uh, to somebody about their needs, they're just going to just move on to something else. So we just don't have the attention span as humans nowadays to to soak in all these things where the buyers talk or the sellers talking about things that should matter theoretically to the buyer. The buyer has their issues and you're not going to change their minds about what should matter to them in most cases. So uh, the first thing we need to do is identify the primary needs of the buyer. Again, in sales, we're just going to ask. In marketing, we might need to do a little research. We might need to do some surveys. We might need to do some polling and ask our customers, uh, current or past or whatever, um, when you make a buying decision on our product, what are the primary concerns? And one of the things we have to be prepared for is indifference. In in many industries, these you know, uh, depending on what your industry is, if your customer is not looking forward to this purchase, uh, you know, waking up to uh, a problem at your house or a problem with your car or a problem in your business that you do not want to deal with is not the same thing as getting a new deck built on your house at, or a new kitchen. That's super exciting. Um, we have to accept that some of our industries just aren't glamorous. They're not fun. And customers might just be frankly indifferent to the whole process. Like I just want to get through this. Um, and if that's the case, we need to speak to that. If they if, if if they're not super excited about or they don't feel like it really matters who who the provider is, we have to accept that. We may not like it, but we have to accept it and we have to speak to that. So uh, again, the first step is just figuring out what the primary needs of the buyer is. What's the what's driving the decision? Not the external problem. We know they need a car. That just means they're going to buy from somebody. If I want them to buy from me, I got to know what their internal issue is. What's their fear? What's their hope? What's their concern? What's their wish? If they could wave a magic wand and make this process better, what would that be? And if I can't do that, I just have to re- re- recognize it's going to come down to price and convenience. So uh, just we have to remember people are going to do what they do and buy what they buy because they're solving their own problems, period. They do not make the buying decisions based upon what the seller thinks they should should value or appreciate. Uh, just think about the last time you bought a house or a car or anything, uh, you know, valuable and ask yourself, what were your criteria when you bought the the house or car or whatever? And if the seller tried to tell you that your criteria shouldn't matter and you should make your buying decision based upon what the criteria they think should matter, how successful do you think they would have been at that? And the answer for most of us is not at all. If I know I need a four-door car and they try to tell me I need a two-door car because they're they're fun and sporty, um, if I need a four-door car, I need a four-door car. Um, and it's no different when we're selling something, although it feels different because uh, we're human and we make we make decisions based upon what we want, even when we're trying to sell something to somebody else. So this is this is the counterintuitive part we have to work around. So we want to keep asking ourselves, what is the problem they're trying to solve? besides the obvious one or besides the external one. And our messaging should revolve around solving their problem, not pushing what we think should matter to them. Remember that hot tub salesperson, uh, he spent a tremendous amount of time trying to push a warranty on me that I didn't value. I didn't care about it. It, And again, it was a great warranty. For the right buyer, that would have made perfect sense. He was not speaking to my problem and therefore he did not get the sale, period. Um, so the last thing we need to be asking or, or throughout the whole conversation, whether it's marketing or sales, 
what is their primary problem and how am I solving it? And if we can't answer those two questions, we're probably on the wrong track. So that's it for this week. Um, thanks a lot for tuning in. Thanks for all the positive reviews and ratings and things like that. Please uh, feel free to share this uh, podcast with a friend or a colleague who's a business owner in the service industry. And uh, if you haven't had time yet to give us a rating review, we'd sure appreciate that. That in you know in the world of podcasting, that's how you that's how you grow it is um, getting ratings and reviews and people sharing it. So if you could take a moment, if you haven't had time to do that, that would be fantastic. And I will talk to you all next week. Thanks a lot. <laughs>